the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode 161. My name is Ed, and today I'm joined by... This is Donovan. And this is Stella. And this is a special episode of the Comic Cast. All we're going to be doing today is Batman Earth 1, Volume 2. Uh, no news, no listener Q&As, and we will be back next week to get back into the rest of the news and tie up the end of Convergence. But right now, let's talk Batman Earth 1. So, Batman Earth One, Volume Two, writer Jeff Johns, pencils Gary Frank, inks John Cybell, color Brad Anderson, and letters Rob Lee. Uh, we open up with a group of people trapped in an elevator who are pose, poised a riddle by the voice on the speaker that they have to answer or they will all plummet to their death. We then see Batman, who is chasing some criminals over the rooftops that he subdues, but in the chase he ends up crashing his very normal looking car. We get our first look here at Killer Croc, who is in the sewers. Um, we then cut to Lucius Fox, who is giving his crew instructions for the new car that Bruce Wayne would like to race with. Harvey Dent is in court prosecuting Maroney, and Harvey Bullock is drinking hard in a bar where Gordon confronts him about his recent behavior. They end up in a bar fight with some scumbags who turn out to be under Dent's protection as rats. They end up getting called away to the gruesome elevator scene that has plummeted and killed everyone aboard. Uh, and we see Jessica Dent, who is now the mayor of Gotham, and Harvey Dent's twin sister, who shows up at Wayne Manor and asks Ruth for his help with the city. He more or less politely declines. Batman visits Gordon at the elevator crime scene, where they find a question mark clue, and while Gordon looks into the question mark, he asks Batman to look into the croc sightings in the sewer. Harvey Dent lectures and threatens Bullock and Gordon over the bar fight, and we see that the Riddler working on his next trick. Bruce meets with the Dent twins and reveal that although Mayor Cobblepot is now gone, they believe that five corrupt Gotham City officials are now running his organization. We see an art museum, art museum where the guests are locked inside and ask riddle, a riddle. When they fail to answer correctly, another bomb goes off. Bruce changes into Batman and chases the Riddler from the scene, but ends up getting knocked unconscious during a fall and wakes up to find himself being nursed by a dark-haired woman who has found him. He promises to send her flowers. The Dent twins are sent a package with a green question mark, it, question mark on it as she, gives, she goes to Wayne Manor and asks to see Bruce. Batman begins his investigation of the sewers after a tip from Gordon that identifies the Riddler may be putting his bombs together down there. He runs into Croc, who ends up telling him that he just wants to be left alone, and explains his past as a circus freak. He does not eat people, and he just has a skin condition and wants to be left alone, but he will help the Batman find the Riddler's hiding place. Once, once he does find the Riddler's honey hole, the, the Riddler taunts him over a walkie-talkie about setting off a small explosion destroying any evidence and telling Batman that he has to go to a specific train in the city and answer Riddle in time or he will blow it up. Batman follows the directions and answers the Riddle, but he blows the train up anyway. Gordon and ba Batman confer and they realize that he is not playing a game and he's using this all to cover up the fact that he's committing deliberate murders. Batman gives Gordon a special cell phone to call him when he needs him and Jessica Dent shows her package to Alfred as it contains the instruction that if they arrest the Batman, the Riddler will stop blowing up things. She gets the call about the train bombing and takes off. Bruce visits Jessica, and she, knows she has now guessed that he is the Batman. Her and her brother have worked out that the Riddler is killing off the five city officials that took over the Cobblebot network, and that the money has been moved into the accounts of Answers Inc., which is a company that's owned by Bruce Wayne to make him appear guilty. Gordon's daughter has also done the same computer work and has come to the same conclusion that Answers Inc. has the money from the Riddler murders and that Bruce Wayne is responsible. Gordon and Bullock raid Wayne Manor and arrest Alfred while Harvey storms into his sister's office and arrests Bruce. Bruce and Alfred are in cells next to each other when the power is killed to the police station and the Riddler begins his final riddle in his act. Bruce gets away in the confusion and suits up and the confusion all of the inmates being held hostage and Maroney. Uh, slam a Malkov cocktail into Harvey's face, killing him. 
Jessica clutches her brother to her face, but the chemicals end up burning half of her face. Uh, Batman finds the van outside loaded with explosives and spots the Riddler in another van. He uses the van full of explosives to chase the Riddler because he knows that if he stays close enough, the Riddler cannot blow up the explosives without killing him as well. He runs him off the road, and as the Riddler is starting to blow the bombs up anyway with a remote, Croc comes from behind and helps Batman subdue him. Gordon is promoted to captain. Croc uh, starts to settle into Wayne Manor, and Jessica has suffered a psychological break, giving her what appears to be at least two distinct personalities to go with half her scarred face. Bruce tries to follow through on the, pr- on the promise to send the woman who saved him flowers, but it turns out no woman lives there, and at the time he was being rescued, the real owner was on vacation, and his home was being robbed. We then see the woman who we can only assume, assume is Selena Kyle relaxing with her stolen treasure. Questions. All right, guys. Um, I got some questions here to run over. First off, did you guys read and enjoy the first volume of Batman Earth 1 before we get into the second volume? Uh, I quite enjoyed the volume 1, and um, when this came out, I was like, oh, cool. Now I can you know, see how the story continues. Yeah, I also read volume 1, and I enjoyed that. I liked the way that it kept very, you know, the the, the important things of the, the Batman mythos. It kept that, but then it, it changed things, but not too drastically. And, and I don't think that Jeff Johns changed things just for the sake of changing them, but he mixed things up to see what really suited the story. And, of course, the last pages, you know, you saw... Babs Gordon, which I was super shocked. She didn't appear at all in this. She was only mentioned. But, you know, I liked that first one. So when this one came out, I was looking forward to it. And I wasn't disappointed. I also enjoyed uh, the first one quite a bit. Um, the the Earth One special is still available in the TBU special speed, not in the Comic Cat speed. So if you do want to check that out, please go ahead and do so. And the last question before we get into really the meat of the story is, do you guys have a problem enjoying Elseworld stories since they're not in continuity? When it's out of continuity, does it lessen the enjoyment of the story for you? No, not at all. I've I've never had a problem with like okay, wrapping my as long as they were like you know clearly marked, I, like you know like uh, I, I, I didn't go into JLA the nail and say oh I wonder what's going on in this Justice League story. Oh my God, Batgirl and Robin are dead. I, it wasn't like that. It was like <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I know, I know that these are out of continuity. I know these are else worlds or other worlds, and because of that, I always find them very interesting. Because I never like assume that like you know this is like what happens if our regular universe went wrong. It's just like a, a, a almost a completely different story that just happens to have our familiar characters. So, um, I mean, they're very hit and miss with these. Sometimes they're, they're they're interesting. Sometimes they're not interesting. So it kind of depends on the story. But if it's a story that I enjoy or, or I'm interested in. I, I, that kind of adds to the uh, to the element of enjoyment if, if they're like you know completely divorced from what I'm familiar with. I am a huge fan of Elseworlds Elseworld stories. I just eat them up. I have some of my favorite stories are Elseworlds like Speeding Bullets and Red Sun and a Thrill Killer. That's a special one. I love them so much. In fact, that I do something that I usually never do, and that's invite myself onto other podcasts or try to, anyways, by saying, "Hey." There's this Elseworlds story. I think we should cover it. <laughs> so, you know, I go into them, obviously, with the mindset. It's called Elseworlds. It's basically like the cough, cough, Marvel, what if. Um, you know, where you understand that you've got the same characters, but there's going to be a twist somewhere. So I, I think you go in with that mindset, and I just love them. So this was just like all of those other ones, going in and understanding this isn't the Bruce Wayne of – you know, what we're currently reading, this is somebody else, and this is a different take on him. So I think you got to accept that. Yeah. And he's and, still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. Um, the, the, the thing I like about him, too, and I echo everything you guys are saying there, but the one thing I, I also really like about them is the fact that anything could happen. Um, well, I guess in modern continuity, anything can happen, too. But um, I always like it because there is no, I know this character can't die, I know this must happen, because it's it's in its own universe. So... Yeah, I don't have. I I really prefer these a lot. And like Gotham by Gaslight, which is one we all did together, was a great story. So there's been a lot of these that were were really really good. But now into this story here. So we see that the characters, specifically in in this volume and some back to volume one, are extremely different from their original counterparts. So there's a couple characters I want to go down here and get your guys' thoughts on these new versions of them and kind of what you think of them. And the first one that I wanted your thoughts on is is what do you think of Killer Croc here in, in the second volume? Killer Croc is interesting. 
Um, it's funny because I like having recently read, uh, uh, um, crap. The, the, what is that book? Gotham Academy. And um, I think even go back to the villains, not villain wall. My mind. Um, villains month. Villains month. Villains month issue with Killer Croc. I think the last few times I've I've read him, he's been at least pathetic. What? So then he's fairly sympathetic. He's not really a bad guy. And that's interesting compared to like, you know, the original Jerry Conway mobster gangster kind of guy who turned into like a lizard ripoff, cough, cough, Marvel. Um, so it's, it's definitely, it's not a completely like, you know, foreign take, but it's overall a generally new take, if you know what I mean? Like, and, and here he's, he's straight up not evil. You know, he, he, uh, you know, he tends to get off on the wrong foot with Batman and he may have killed some people. I don't know. But like, uh, he's, 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 he's ultimately a nice guy. And I kind of like that because I like, I do like the idea if you're on it. If this Earth One universe, shall we say, is establishing differences from the original universe, I like the fact that they are changing the positions of some of the characters. Like, not every bad guy has to be a bad guy. Not every good guy has to be a good guy. And, you know, not everybody has to be recognizable. And I think that Killer Croc is not a major Batman villain that, that needs to stay evil. You know what I mean? Like Penguin, like Two-Face, like Joker. Uh, so he, I was totally welcome for the change. And, and honestly, to be honest, if anybody had a problem with that, I would be interested to hear their argument for it. I think there are certain villains that I, I've already seen or always seen as someone who could potentially have heroism deep down inside, however deep that may be. Uh, you know, first one that comes to mind is certainly Pamela Isley, because uh, I feel like, you know, she never tried to do these things. Uh, for evil purposes, but she just had this botanical love. And then what she did, you know, to, to help protect the plants was wrong, but it wasn't ever, you know, evil. So that's someone that I always saw. So Croc, not necessarily the first person I would have, you know, thought of. But, you know, I think even before Gotham Academy, which I loved his appearance in there, just how caring he was towards Olive and that relationship and, and you know, his relationship with all his mother. Before that, though, I think you were starting to already see a different side of him with Eternal because, you know, he was the king down there and he really cared for the people that were under his guard. And so you were starting to see a different side of him. But here, it's funny because, you know, I see the first couple pages of this novel and, you know, the one of the first ones you have is him coming and attacking Batman in the sewer right in the, in the credit scene. So I thought, oh, this is not going to turn out well. And the author is leading you to believe that he is this monster and just a terrible person because of all the victim reports that are out of context because you don't really know what's going on. But to see that he's actually also a victim and he's being victimized and he just wants to stay put, I think it adds uh, a special, like a different depth to the character that we've not seen before. And whereas a lot of the origin stories with villains in New 52, I think the writers have been trying to gain or garner sympathy for them by having tragedy in their past and, and something happening to their parents. That's normally, you know, the little fill in the bubble thing. This is, I think, very different, just that, you know, he had this, his career, and, and of course he had his disease, and now he just wants to be left alone. So I, I really liked that. It was a change, and I thought, I think one of the more shocking moments actually for me was at the very end where he comes out of nowhere and helps Batman out, and then it seems like Batman's going to you know have him almost on his team. And I really like that because if you think about Batman and Killer Croc, it's almost like Alfred and Bane and that one issue of Eternal that, that, you know, you can't see that sort of partnership around. And I think if you can explore something that's different like that, but it works, I think that's great. So I really like this to, to see Croc like that and not be a monster, but to be somebody who looks different. But, you know, he's a victim, too, and he can be a hero. So I'm excited to see uh, what Jeff Johns does in future Batman Earth 1. Yeah, I'm with you guys on this. Uh, I think that Croc definitely came across as um, like an anti-hero more than, than mm-hmm. a villain in this. Um, his characterization is good, and, and it has been one of those characters that you've seen play more sympathetic in the New 52. There was some very interesting stuff in Batwoman before that book kind of got cattywampus, where Croc was was portrayed as a very interesting right. kind of caretaker of those who live in the, the, mm-hmm. the, the unwashed, the unloved type deal. Um, and I'm glad to see him like this because I don't think that I think he works better as a as a layered character like this and not like a simple I eat people, you know. I don't think we need any more more of, of them. So I actually really really liked him here. And I guess that takes us. What we've talked about our non-villain villain 
takes us to the, the, the principal villain in this book, and we see the Riddler here, which has a couple of, I think, really important differences than the regular one. So, Don, what did you think about the Riddler in this book? I think that uh, not since the Batman has uh, have I seen a this much of a radical change in the character of Edward Nigma. Um, like he's usually depicted like when people think of the Riddler visually, they can be like kind of a quirky, sometimes like 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 deliriously laughing kind of guy that from like the sixties or the sixties cartoons, or you know a very cerebral character like the animated series and, and then the modern comics, and. I mean, all the villains are, yeah, all the villains have, are pretty dashly, but the Riddler hasn't ever been portrayed as like a serial killer before. And that's, and he, had, he had deeper goals than that in this one, but here, like, he was kind of, like, he's kind of portrayed as like, you know, wanton terrorist who just, I mean, he's obviously crazy, but like, you know, he's, he's kind of a real world kind of character that like, he's really insidious. And, um, it's interesting. I, I think it's not, it's not a way that, I prefer the character because I do like him to be different than all of the other dangerous characters. But at the same time, uh, I do like the change because it is a change. It's, it's unexpected. And honestly, it's unpredictable. And I think that like uh, – I remember I remember in Nightfall um, that near the end of the first part when Batman was going over his head, like you know, all the villains that were taken down, all of them that were broken out of Arkham and the ones that were still in the street, he listed uh, – like like – among the ones that were still loose were the Joker, Scarecrow, and the Riddler. And he said, like, you know, those are the major ones that he's, he hasn't even gotten to yet. And there are reasons why that's, that is. And I, I think this one is kind of like the potential that the Riddler has for being extremely dangerous. Like, you know, like, like you know, he, his riddles are, make sense really only to him. And this one, his motivations are, you know, you know, no one only to him. And it's up to them to kind of figure it out. And that's very, I mean, I don't like saying the word realistic when it comes to comic books. I think that's really played out and somewhat lazy to, as a term, as a, in the use of critique, but I think that like applies for the Riddler here because he is a very much sort of a real world kind of terrorist that you have to watch this version of Batman overcome. And for the story, it's actually very thrilling. And I, I quite, again, it's not my preferred take, but I appreciate what they're doing. And for, and for the story, I quite liked it. Have, has there ever been a version of the Riddler where a riddle was solved and he didn't accept that and just kept going with his plot? I really can't think of anything. Yeah, because I thought that was something that uh, I think – I don't know if I would say rub me the road, but I, I was very taken back by that because I always felt like the Riddler was very respectful of people that could solve his conundrums. You know, it's like the Sphinx. Um, and to see that, you know, Batman solved it and you see that the Riddler is upset because I, I think there's a panel of him like gritting his teeth and then he does it anyway, I thought, oh, wow. So there's not – I felt like he, he's a very lethal character compared to perhaps previous versions. I, I don't know. I, I feel like previous versions of Riddler that I'm used to are more like bodily harm maybe, but people mostly make it out alive. But this guy seems pretty lethal, and he's going to do whatever he wants. I, I don't think there are any um, – he doesn't have any lines or – you know, a code that he sticks with. I, I think we lost the OCD Riddler where this is all he cares about are the riddles because I think really what he cared about were these five individuals and, you know, the, the, the vengeance plot that he had against them, which from that perspective, I saw some of the uh, Batman the Animated Series because that first, you know, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich episode? Oh, yes. I think, you know, that was very much uh, a, a vengeance plot. But I felt like this, you know, you brought up the Batman and his character design is very different. You know, I, I can't even, it's almost like a Eddie Vedder or something, yeah. <laughs> like a rock Grunge star. Riddler. Yeah. Riddler. Yeah, a rock star Riddler. And then it's also difficult to read this. And, and Ed, I, I'd wonder if you, you'd feel the same way. Reading this after we went through, you know, that year of storytelling with, Scott Snyder telling Riddler and, and just how, how these two are different though. That one seemed a little more lethal as well, but yeah, very different. I, I don't think he was my favorite. I, I think in every, like the mystery was interesting to follow Batman around was interesting, but uh, there were other characters that I was more invested in and excited to read about than the Riddler was. And I, it, I think part of it was the, um, the fact that his characterization was very different, but I think also I, I almost feel like Riddler fatigue because wasn't that like thirteen issues? Yeah, the Batman 
zero year. That's when I so left. After, <laughs> and that's, you know, that's not Jeff John's fault because uh, I'm sure that he had this plot in or I don't know if it was the same time, but it's just unfortunate that it came out the same time because I feel like I've, I'm kind of worn out the Riddler and I wonder what it'd been like to have somebody else. But yeah, yeah, I think that um, you know, I, I think that this is a, a change in, in his methodology because, like Stella brought up, I don't, I, I can't remember a time where the Riddler seemed so not to care about his own riddles. You know, um, it seemed like his motivation here was was money, was killing these people. It was the riddles were almost like a shtick that he didn't care about. You know, it was just a distraction. Um, although I, I, I agree with what Don says that this is probably not my favorite version of the character. I do think it was an interesting one to read. You know, um, when he blows up the train with, I mean, when you when you when I was first reading the scene with with uh, Batman on the train and he gets the riddle right. You kind of just figure that, okay, the bombs, this is the natural progression of a Riddler story, right? Isn't that what happens? Um, but Players when, for fools. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but when he actually blows the train up and it goes another way, I think it was, I think it was, it was incredibly well put in the narrative because it was a very jarring, um, hey, this isn't your normal Batman. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was. It, it, there was, there was that, but I think that, like, that kind of stuff where, like, this, it's written to a story. Just to shock the reader and say, "Hey, this isn't what you're used to." So, you know, it, that 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 I, I see what you're saying. That there's a bit of that, but I think there's also it worked for the story. It worked for this version of the character. And I think that, like, I got while that's there, I got I got more from the fact that this is the type of Riddler they're doing rather than this isn't your daddy's like you know Frank Gorshin Riddler. Because otherwise, like, if, if, if there was more of that in there, like if you, if they commented on that more, that would just kind of turn me off because it's like you know. Well, we're doing the Riddler better, and I don't think this is what they're doing. But I think that like there's definitely a, a jolt there, but it works for the story. Yeah, no, I think it worked really, really well with the story, and, and I enjoy this version. I do feel like it does seem like this happened with comics a lot, Stella. That we get fatigue, like we get all Riddler all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and then we'll get all Joker, the Joker. all the time, and then we'll get. I remember it was it three years ago? And it was every every penguin. comic book penguin, all, yeah. like, all the time. So I do wish, and I don't know how they would do it. Maybe just talk to each other sometimes in editorial. And space these out a little bit um, because I think that I really enjoyed this version of the Riddler. Um, different, certainly. Um, like I said, a little Seattle grunge uh, Riddler, but uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and then the other character that I kind of wanted to get you guys thought of. I know you, you probably touched on this the first time you guys did the Earth One one, but you see a, a continuation here of of this very different Alfred. Uh, and I just wanted you guys thoughts on him in this book. What, how did you think of Alfred's portrayal here? What a plebe. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a jerk. <laughs> All, the, the entire time, Alfred is just like criticizing that. Which to me, like Jeff Johns is criticizing about, like you know, why aren't you wearing body armor? Why don't you kill that guy? You know, why, why don't you carry a gun? Why are you going to Commissioner Gordon again? Why are you going to Commissioner Gordon again? Why are you going to Commissioner Gordon again? It's like why are you wear a cape? Why are you? Spe-? It's like shut up. This, this, this is the story you're in. So deal with. It. I mean, I know that like. This is this is sort of a believable story, you know, down to earth, ground, and all that stuff. I get that, and I get that that's his character. Um. I've, I've, I don't want to say long, but for a while, I've, I've kind of held the theory that like Jeff Johns, who helped bring it back, Hal Jordan, Barry Allen, you know, you know, Hawkman during Brightest Day, you know, the Martian Manor, like when we, after he killed him, I pretty much alive. Like, like he's a very Silver Age minded kind of writer. Mm-hmm. And especially after re- recently reading Green Lantern Rebirth, I don't know if he has a great opinion of, of the Batman character, at least in, in comparison to the other characters. And I feel that like with this in the last volume, there was a lot of like embedded criticism of the character, and it and it comes off to me somewhat like a kid saying, you know, "Well, this is why this character is not as good as my favorite heroes." And I know how that sounds, and I, I think that ultimately the story is still very good. I, I like the story, and but I feel that like John's criticism of the character is coming through Alfred, and Alfred is sort of like his mouthpiece. I mean, I like Alfred generally. I, ultimately, I, I do. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the kick-ass, like, you know, I was in the army, might kind of Alfred. That, that's, that's just not my bag. That's in Beware of the Batman or the Gotham or this. It's just – I mean, like, you know, I get that there's an appeal to that. And you do like the fact that Alfred's more than he seems. But to me, like, sometimes it comes off as, like, trying too hard. But what I took from it mainly was that, you know, it was kind of Jeff Johns whining about Bruce Wayne throughout the story. But ultimately, I have to say, all that aside, I did – like him in the story. I like that scene in the jail where he starts beating people up, and he was fine. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if Alfred um, almost falls under the uh, the Aunt May syndrome. You know, from just that, do some people see him as pointless, so they decide to spice him up as much as possible? 
Mm. Uh, but you know, I, I, I do wonder why, why go to this, this extreme? I feel like in the last one, while they had, you know, they had some emotional difficulties, this one, my goodness, he's, he's not, I, I wouldn't use the word supportive <laughs> at all. And, and I think that's the, I think if you're going to change things about Alfred and make him a fighter and, you know, I, you know, things like that, I think that's good. But I think one thing you need to keep the same is just the, the level of support that he gives Batman emotionally. And so to have someone in your ear as you're going about your business constantly drag you down and basically tell you everything you are doing incorrectly is not helpful. Though you could always say that that's basically Batman to his, uh, his sidekicks once they start out because he certainly does <laughs> tell them what they do wrong. Poor Stephanie. So, you know, I, but <laughs> I don't know it, it, in the, uh, in the moment, I, I don't know if it's, if it's as conducive to what Batman is doing. And unfortunately, however many times Jim, or not Jim, however many times Alfred says something, Batman doesn't change what he's doing, which he shouldn't with for Jim or, you know, other things. But then the armor, that was certainly something that I agreed with when he's saying you need to wear armor. And Batman's still saying, no, I'm not going to. And then he gets injured and he keeps going, gets in. Yeah, so there are some things that perhaps he should listen to. But I like that he could be a fighter with him. I I liked that. It was was very different when we heard that that was going to happen in the Batman but not the Batman, sorry. Uh, but where the Batman? But you know, it turned out okay, and I liked it because he wasn't just sitting behind a computer giving him direction and looking stuff up. He was actually with him in the fight, and I like that. That is a potential here, but I feel like we haven't seen it because he just seems to have some anger management issues. Because once something happens, or maybe he's just you know, I don't. I, <laughs> he, he's he's a resistance against political groups because he doesn't trust anyone. Um, because once they burst in, you know, he doesn't let them do what they have to do, which I can see he's trying to protect whatever, but he just goes after them right away, which may not be the, the smartest thing to do. But I, I do hope that he, he, he comes away from the get off my lawn sort of Alfred to one that has <laughs> a better heart in the, in the next one. Um, and I don't know what needs to change is either going to be Batman potentially who doesn't make as many noob ex, uh, uh, mistakes, or it's going to be Alfred who needs to chill out a little bit uh, and actually help Bruce along. Uh, but it is it is a it is a stark contrast, and I think some things I can accept, but just his negativity, I think, is is a bit of a problem for me. What I would say about Alfred, a lot of it can also be said about Gordon in terms of how he deals with Batman. Yeah, no, I you know, totally right. Yeah, like with the whole like you know, uh, I actually really like the whole you're stepping on evidence kind of thing. I, I, I thought that was kind of clever, but like when Batman gives him his little signal phone, you know, it's like you know, give it a rest. <laughs> to, to me, sometimes it comes off as just a little bit. I, I'm seeing the writer more than the story. No, I, I, Don, I think you're perfectly right there, and that's the kind of the thing I was going to hit on. I'm, I'm glad you did. Was I have the same issues with you guys have about the negativity. I don't am really bothered by the idea of a younger Alfred that can. Like Stella said, get into the fight. I think that there's a certain part of me that think it would be fun to see Alfred suit up as something just to do it, you know? Um, so I don't mind that. It is the negativity, and, and it, it is, I think it is the other, the other established character, which is Gordon, um, which has the same kind of problems with the story. So I guess, before we wrap up the characters here, my last question was, do you think that the reason why the, the Gordons and the Alfreds and the more established characters are so negative was to tell some part of the story, or do you think it was just kind of what we talked about earlier, which was just changing characters to change them, and since those two are so recognizable that they were changed the most by the way they behaved? Sure. I think part of the reason, um, I would say yes and no. I, I think that why well, I would say a lot of the changes I'm hoping that Jeff Johns made weren't just for change's sake, for other characters. I see that a lot with Alfred because I think that was pushed to the extreme. But I think the Jim one was very story driven um, because you already see Batman. He's grown, I think, from the first one, but he's still very much a rookie. And it almost reminds me of the Batman year one where, you know, he was making mistakes and saying, oh, rookie mistake. And here he continues to 
he's making some mistakes along the way and we can find out he's not the best detective and he's learning. So I think the way Jim is portrayed, I think pushes us along and pushes Bruce along uh, to become a better overall hero and not just go out there and fight with his fist, but realize that there are other areas he needs to, to strengthen himself. And so with Jim, I think he's, he's helping, uh, you know, what are those areas that he needs to work on? Of course, he's not saying this in a constructive manner, but basically, hey, you need to watch yourself. But he's kind of a gruffer character anyways, and I feel like he's never taken crap. So for the most part, I feel like, honestly, I feel like this is the Jim Gordon that, you know, if we picked him up and put him in regular continuity, it would still work. It's just that he wouldn't have any of these criticisms of Batman. But, you know, I, I think... To a certain extent, Batman here is having fun with it, whereas, you know, in, in other continuities, Batman always sees it as a duty and is probably very grouchy about certain things. But here, I feel like he kind of gets some excitement out of it. And so, yes, he is excited that he has this phone that has a little decal on it and it's a bat signal. So, I, you know, I, I think he's he's almost, you know, when I was reading this, I thought to myself, He's very youthful. I think, you know, Batman, I think Bruce Wayne really grew up after his parents were shot too quickly. But I think this one, he almost retained childlike wonder to a certain extent. And I think if you can read that in these pages with certain things that he does, making mistakes that, you know, a younger person would. And I think it's because, you know, he, he just, yeah, he, he's new on the job. And so, of course, somebody needs to tell him that you're not doing what you should be doing. So, no, story purpose for Jim, and then maybe too much of a change for uh, for Alfred. I think that, like, I honestly feel that, like, they're this different for the sake of the story. I do, because I, I, I like this story, and I like the story, because I think it is well told. I think that there are just instances where I feel that, like, Jeff Johns is a little too, he's a little too theatrical, with the, with how he writes his scripts, where like I, I feel like I see a lot of Jeff. Not, not that I've ever met Jeff Jones, but like um, you know, I, he's he's a very like you know well known writer. I feel like I know what he likes, and a lot of times when it's, I mean, Gordon in this story is generally a lot more pessimistic than the Gordon of uh, not six one six like regular DC. Like I mean, even in Batman Year One. You know, he was like doing what he had to do to stay true to himself. Whereas in this one, you know, because they killed his wife, he kind of sold out, and that kind of like you know impacted his look on the world. So it makes sense. But and I think I think that like overall, the general criticism of Batman works well for the characters. I think that it's just a bit too frequent with Alfred. But sometimes it works though. I mean, I think that when, he's, when he says like you know, like, there, there's a conversation after Batman was blown half to hell, where he's like you know you know you, oh yeah Lucius Fox is too many people, uh, Gordon's too many people. You know I shot Cobblepot because he knew your identity. You can't bring. Which I guess like you know kind of closes the door on a possibility of a Robin, which sucks. But um, because I'm imagine like hey I brought this kid in here, he's gonna be my partner, and like Alfred just drinks himself to death. But like um. I feel that or like or shoots uh, the kid. Yeah, or shoots. He might. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Bam! No more Robin for you. <laughs> and that was the end. Put some armor on that kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think that like there there are ways to go about it, and I feel that like for the most part it does well. But I think it's some, somewhat with a frequency and because I like I like the Gordon scene, but like the, with the Alfred scene, it's like okay, so how long they say that like he's been Batman for like what six months? Right about. So yeah. Six consistent months of this, you would think that like Alfred made his complaints clear, so like there's no need to reiterate it, just for the sake of you know, isn't this you know? Done? And Alfred never is crazy about the idea of Bruce being Batman, but here I, I guess he's he's making his complaints from a militaristic, logical standpoint, as opposed to, like you know, a uh, spiritual you know standpoint where he's like you know, oh I don't want you to turn crazy or evil, as opposed to like, you know, I don't want you to get yourself you killed or whatever. Um, I feel that like, I mean, I, I don't want to come off as like. That that was a big part, but that that kind of stood out to me as like it's to me it just feels like John's being a little too a little too um, comfortable with criticizing Batman in that way all the time. And I guess it's it's not really something that I, I feel that like needs or can be improved upon because it's just one writer's take. I mean, if another writer did this, then I would say quit it. But uh, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, and with John's, I mean, one of his big things is he likes to mess around with characters. He likes to reinvent them, and there's times where Look at the stuff he did in Green Lantern and the stuff he did with like Aquaman. And the new, I mean, there's some stuff he did. He's done amazingly well. So there is certain creators that I give Grant Morrison, him, Snyder even now. I give the benefit of the doubt to. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, although I don't like every twist and turn he takes the characters on here, I can live with them. 
Um, now, now we're going to go into a, a original character in this universe, and that is the character of Jessica Dent. Um, Rachel Dawes. Yeah. Hey, 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 Jessica Dent. Target Rachel Dawes. Um, we do see a, a Two Face origin here. Oh yeah. Um, so my question is: This is obviously radically different than any origin we've seen for the character of Two Face. One, it's not Harvey Dent. Uh, he has a twin sister. Yada yada yada. So, what do you think of this of this new Two Face origin? Uh, obviously, it's outside of continuity. But what do you, what do you think of the of the new Two Face here? I thought it was a really cool twist because at first it was like you know when they introduced Maroni. I was like, okay, here we go. It'll be mo- in any moment now. His half of his face is going to be gnawed away, probably by piranhas. But like in this one, um, well, first of all, like the like when I saw that the, they showed Harvey Dent from the back. I think he saw him as a kid uh, in the volume one. But like they showed him from the back, it's like okay, we're going for the Aaron Eckhart version. But um, when we see his face, he looks like he's designed as like the uh, animated series Harvey Dent, like like the like the Ralph Bellamy. Yeah, you can see that part. Design with, with like the big nose and like the pronounced lips, so that's kind of cool. And he's not he had, he had at no point does he even have time for Bruce Wayne. They're not they're not social buddy buddies. They're, like he, he can't say them. He's like stay the hell away from my sister, you know. So like um, that, that's kind of a different change for Harvey Dent. But like when the change happens, where like would you believe getting your face half burned off kills you? And then she kind of snaps that split person at the end. I was like, that is such a cool twist. If you're going to make an Elseworlds, or if you're going to make an alternate universe take on Batman, do that. We're like, you know, you know, give us the villain Two-Face, but flip him, or flip him, you know, or just change the character in a way we can't possibly expect to be changed, besides, like, you know, hair color. So that, I thought that was a great twist, and I really enjoyed that. I like that there there's a, a childhood relationship or history between Bruce and Jessica, uh, you know, a la Andrea Beaumont almost, you know, from Mass of the Phantasm. Um, that's her name, right? Yes. No, I don't have any notes with me. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, I was shipping them slightly as, you know, they're going along. And I wondered, oh, what's, how's this going to work? How's this going to And then, you know, there was that big shipper moment. And then once that happened, I thought to myself, I think she's going to die. Yep, yep, she's going to die. So, you know, all the while, and it's interesting flashing back to, to Dent because everything leads you to believe that uh, Harvey is going to be the one to become Two-Face, not only with the court scene that sets it up, a little Easter egg there, but his anger and how uh, – I remember there's that one panel that shows a normal Harvey Dent and then right next to like a rage quit Harvey Dent, and yeah. you're like, yeah – he, he may be, uh, his mind may be busted a little bit. So everything is leading you to believe that he's going to be Two-Face. And then when it finally happened, you know, with his face and everything, I thought, well, there it is. So, you know, I'm still dragged along this regular path. And then when she is putting her face up against his, um, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, her face is good. So I was just, I was completely shocked. Um, and, and all the while I thought he's still going to live and, you know, she'll be okay. But, but when they were in the hospital and all of a sudden she has also taken on the Harvey Dent personality, I think it is, uh, it's very poetic. Just the, the fact that they're twins and, you know, mm-hmm. Harvey, you know, Two-Face is always obsessed with twins anyways, but there's always, I think, this psychological connection between twins anyways, or, you know, so there is said. And so I think that that is amazing, that it was just somehow shifted into her. Uh, the fact that she got these wounds, you know, in a, you know, in a moment of tragedy and love for her brother, and, you know, this is what happened to her. It was almost like he was, what is that called? Imprinted, because it's from Twilight. Imprinted onto her. Oh, no. <laughs> so sorry. It almost imprinted onto her. And uh, it's also, you know, it does not bode well for the Bruce-Jessica uh, Bruce relationship, which I felt like some tragedy is going to befall this relationship anyways. But now, you know, she knows that Bruce is Batman. Half of her is accepting and loving of him, but the other half the Harvey Dent half hates him. I just think it's an awesome, awesome story and, you know, creativity and something I was not expecting. So definitely thumbs up to Jeff Johns for throwing me off. Yeah. Um, I like this too. <laughs> no, I, just, I thought at least when he'd be like, I hate it, but no, it's, I think it's great. Um, 
I didn't I didn't get the, the two fake I thought that Harvey was gonna be two faced up until they said he was dead and that's when it was like oh, yeah. uh you know, I mean <laughs> like but this is really well done. Um why is half of her face hurt? I don't understand that. When, when because Harvey, she, when, when she hugs Harvey, when Harvey's face is all messed up with the Molotov cocktail, with the chemicals, yeah. when she hugs Harvey's face to hers, his face burns her face. Yeah, because his yeah. is still burning. Yeah. I'm so the chemicals right get now. onto her face, too. Uh, that's, and that's why you don't have a twin. Yep. Or you shouldn't have a twin, so everyone try not to have twins. Because this is okay. what happens. If you have twins, you end up evil and psychotic. Oh, okay. Oh, they don't show... Oh, oh, oh there was some artistic trickery with Gary Frank, because they don't of show course. that part of his face. I, I I see it smoking, but I honestly never noticed that. Interesting. It's, uh... It, it's, it's, it's like Tom said. If you're going to reinvent a character, do it. You know? Yeah. I mean, go whole hog. Don't, don't, mm-hmm. don't give her a different colored suit, or, like you said, different color hair. You know? Like... Let's do it. So it's funny because I think that uh, the Jessica Dent character, Two Face, I assume she'll be, um, is one of the only original, purely original characters. I can I don't ever remember an iteration of Harvey where he had a twin sister. Um, so she's totally original. He had twins before, but not yeah, himself a twister. Yeah, that's yeah, so what I was thinking. I can't remember him being a you know a twin like that. And I think that his absolute hatred of, of, of Bruce Wayne is, is going to be part of that of that character. So um, yeah. I think that this plot with her this the ending with her becoming harvey may have been the, the the absolute favorite part of the book for me i really loved it um now taking this part out of it the next thing is just the overall plot of the book and the way we see batman portrayed in this although this is definitely an elseworlds story and there is some severe differences to be sure does this still feel like a batman story to you though just about um, I say what that's, that 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 calls obviously into question what makes Batman's story right. Batman for one, um, and like I think that like the drive to save the city, the, the themes that like you know this city needs to be saved in a way which is unconventional, you know, like there's been a couple of stories like you know Superman can just like go and fix Gotham City because he's not the right hero for that for one for for needs of marketing he's not the right hero, but mainly like, mainly like Gotham City needs the Batman as as often of repeated. Uh, statement as that is, that's a truism. And I feel that this this story kind of reiterates that just like the last volume did. There's psychological underpinnings with uh, the dense. There is, you know, the Riddler, obviously. There is the struggle to, like, you know, stay on the up and up. And Batman and Alfred trying to figure out how do they go about saving the cities. I mean, they're, they're on a roll with Batman, but how do they maintain that? They don't know they don't get, they can't look ahead. They don't know what's going to happen. So, like, I think I th- I th- the, the, the core of the story the kernel of the story is still a Batman story, as different as it might be. And that's my part of what I liked about it, because it wasn't uh, obviously a Batman story, but by the end of it, I definitely got a Batman vibe. This is a pretty cool story that I've read. Yeah, and I certainly felt that it was it was a Batman story. And I was thinking as Donovan was talking, you know, could I replace him with other heroes? Sorry. But I was also, I was thinking, could I put Daredevil in here? <laughs> and, it's, and it's, you know, the... the 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 story you know remained the same, but I, I don't think that it would. And just his relationship with with other people, with the city, um, and I was going to say his detectiving, but you know he's kind of getting his start on that. I think uh, it does have the the heart of Batman, but what really I think puts it on a you know another level or away from other Batman stories is just how like I said how young and inexperienced he is because I I almost feel like I could have put Stephanie Brown Batgirl in here you know way back when she started just with the mistakes that he makes so that is something that I think if if what Batman fans are even if they're realizing this is an Elseworlds sort of story if they're going to read that I feel like that may be the one thing that hampers them from accepting this as a Batman story because he isn't this guy that uh, he's pretty close to perfect, you know, with the stuff that gets done. He, he sometimes gets beat down, but the amount of time he gets beat down here and the mistakes he's made uh, are certainly higher level than I've seen, I think, in any other Batman story. But I think we do have to take this, you know, into consideration the fact that he has just started out and it is different, but it's great to see that he does have some failings because I, I actually get annoyed when heroes gain a superpower or whatever. And then after a couple of tries, all of a sudden they have it mastered. So I think this is a perfect example of seeing him start up because in origin stories, I feel like we see, we see the death of his parents, of course, because that's the catalyst for everything. 
sometimes we see the schooling and training that he goes through. But I feel like a lot of times we do skip those first few nights and maybe even, you know, the, the first year, though, of course, we have zero year and everything, uh, of him learning the ropes. And, and I think this is a perfect example of what realistically would happen if you decided that you were going to take on this sort of role for a city. So I do appreciate that. And, yes, I, I feel like it's still at the heart of it, a Batman story. I think that, that he's more vulnerable in this story than he was in Batman Year One. Oh, yeah, yeah I would agree. Yeah. I, I, I think that... Um, it definitely does feel like a Batman story, and and I do like the fact that we didn't go. One of my fears was, and I and I like the first Earth one quite a bit, but one of my fears was we would leave Volume One and we would go into Volume Two, and he would magically be all grown up Batman. If that makes any sense. Well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like I feel that like he looks more like a traditional Bruce Wayne than he did in the Volume One. Like, he looks thicker. He actually looks like the animated series Bruce Wayne. Did you notice that? Like his, the design of Bruce Wayne looks different. Um, I didn't really, to be honest with you. Um, he's, he's a different haircut, and he's, he looks beefier than like Volume Earth Volume One's uh, Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. And, and to me, it looks like the role of Batman has like maybe not aged him, but kind of you know, like like differentiated his his uh, design. It's like being president. You're president four years, and you, and you look like you're thirty years older. You know, right? Yeah. Um, but or I, the doctor, I, yeah, or the doctor, yeah. Um, but I, I do think that I'm glad that we didn't all of a sudden get all grown up Batman. You know, like the the kind of modern day polished version. Um, I do like this kind of natural evolution because it's it kind of feels like we're on a journey. I, I don't know how many of these Earth ones Jeff Johns is going to do, but I mean, I, I think we probably could get five to seven of them, maybe. You know, so this could be very much the beginning of the story. It still feels like Batman to me. I mean, I guess the biggest change is his detective skills are lacking, uh, just a little bit. No, almost not existent. Yeah, almost non existent. Um, but that's the only thing that feels. I've always thought the detective part was was a, and I think you guys would agree, is a fairly major part of his character. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's it's one of those things that like kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, all, like somewhere along the line, Bill Finger said, "Oh yeah, he's also the world's greatest detective." <laughs> but like, it's 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 become it very quickly became an intrinsic part of his character. Oh yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, you have a, a major villain like Rachel Gould's been calling him detective for what 30 years now since the 70s oh, yes. uh, 40 years at least yeah i mean so it's become a part of the character and if you if i hadn't read this and you told me that i would you wanted me to read a batman story where, where batman's a crappy detective that's kind of the thing that might <laughs> you know i'd have been like oh wait come on now you know um but after reading it it worked for the book because there's that comment that gordon makes where it says maybe you'll get this detective thing down yet you know so, I love the idea that Batman wants Gordon to help him be a better detective. That's so that that is that was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, isn't that kind of the mentor you'd want if you want to be a better detective? A guy like Gordon, you know. Well, considering the characters and their, and their general relationship, I thought that was a great touch. Yeah, I I really did enjoy that. I, I did. I thought that was a really great feel out of the book there. Um, and I guess you guys have already hit on your thoughts about the detective of it. So I don't know. I mean, for me, this again, this was a surprising element that. Taking out a oh, the old taking something out of context. If we took that out of context and said the Batman story where he's a bad detective, I probably would think you're nuts. But as I really liked the way it felt like we were going somewhere uh, in this journey. Now here's one something I have to talk about because it's my favorite thing to talk about: Gary Frank's art in the book. Overall, oh, yeah. what what did you think of his of the overall feel of this book? I know it's very similar to Earth One. There is some differences, like Don just nailed there. Um, but what is you know? What do you think of the art, and was there any character or characters that you really liked his interpretation of? Uh, I overall enjoy Gary Frank's work. I, I really like him as an artist. I think he's a very, very talented artist. He's very good at facial expressions. I do think that he he has a, a limited amount of arrows in his quiver because there are times where he does the whole buck tooth front front of the mouth kind of like you know open wide look on people's faces a bit too often, and maybe that's realistic. But like, not everybody makes that exact same face. Like, I mean, Superman, when he draws Christopher Reeve Superman, Superman looks like a freak of nature because, like, he, he's always doing that buck tooth thing. And every time somebody opens their mouth or shows their teeth, they're always burying, the, like, the front four parts of their, their frontal, you know, jawline. And it's a bit, it gets a bit repetitive when you read it in a, in a tight spot. But that being said, he's, he's still a very good artist, very real, naturalistic artist. He has, he has a recognizable style while still making people look realistic, which is hard to do. Almost in a Neil Adams kind of way. Or a uh, or an Adam Kubert kind of way, um, I quite like his Gordon. 
Uh, I think his artwork's great. I think that like there are some really nice Batman shots here. He tends to get the whole heroic superhero genre angle with the dramatic scenes, but like when people are talking most of the time, it, it, it looks cinematic. I mean, he's he's like one of the best comic artists, I, in my opinion, of the last decade. I mean, he really is. I mean, despite the criticisms you can lay on him, I think that like. Whatever's going on with the story, I'm always engaged in the artwork. And, like, uh, I love how, I mean, I prefer Batman with the wide eyes, but I think that he made Batman with visible eyes look really intimidating. As you can see, Bruce Wayne just snarling at you. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love Gary Frank artwork, Gary Frank's artwork, uh, at the best of times. And I think this was another tour de force from a certain master. Yeah, I also enjoyed it. I liked, uh, the Killer Croc design. I especially liked that. And uh, just that, that I guess it's a splash page, right, that I mentioned at the beginning with the uh, the intro credits, and then we see it again in the book um, where, where Croc is coming at the Batman, and Batman is very shocked, which another, I guess, downside to this Batman is that he, he has a lack of situational awareness, I feel, um, because he sneaks up on Batman, you know? But that that's something I like, and I do have to say I loved his Catwoman, his Selena Kyle design. Um, because oh, yeah. I felt like he made her sexy without over-sexualizing her. Um, you know, even if you, well, frankly, <laughs> the first thing, when I saw her, I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that's gotta be Selena <laughs> Kyle. But what was so amazing about <laughs> it is that she was, like, she was clutching her bathrobe to her. Um, which I feel like there are a couple of reasons why this could have been, you know, the fact that she probably had her cat suit on or a prowler suit on, so she had to cover up. Um, so that he wouldn't think that <laughs> she was robbing the place, which she was. But I also, I mean, goodness, you know, you see what, what Selena was like in Eternal and what she's like in her own title now, where I don't think her blouse has any buttons. <laughs> no. And, you know, at the end of this, of, at the end of this novel or near the end, uh, you see her with, I assume, Isis. But, you know, the only skin that they're showing is a, a little bit of midriff. And I'm just like, you know, thank goodness that you can have a character be sexy without, like, her practically being naked. And uh, I'm I'm hopeful that this is, a, you know, something that we can push forward if she pops up again, which I can only imagine she will. I'm really hoping that we can, yeah, just, you know, not have her be so sexualized as she has been, I, I think, very recently and and in more modern times. And, uh, yeah, so I really appreciate that. I don't know if that was his idea or if it was lead from, from Jeff Johns, but I think that could be pretty awesome. I'm still, the one character that I have trouble getting into still with his character design is Alfred for whatever reason. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I, you know, maybe it's the, the haircut or just a, a combination of factors, but I think the, uh, the first, the first novel, I wasn't as much into it, but everyone else, I'm I'm pretty much on board. I don't know about you know Don had said does does Batman look different to you? And I I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I perhaps I should have reread the first one before reading the second one. But it'd be interesting to get a side by side on you know those two characters, see if well that one character and see if it has changed. But but I think you know going through there are a lot of subtleties that Gary Frank does, and and just you know the fact that. Donovan, he he wasn't sure that, or he didn't know that Jessica had some acid on his face because that was very subtle in what he did, and it, it kept the the audience and the readers guessing. So he he does a great job with that, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I like Gary Frank's art. Um, that's the highlight of these two of these two books for me. Um, I find it very difficult to totally immerse myself in a story if I really hate the art. Um. So art is a, is a big deal for me. So I, I, I like the art here a lot. Um, I did like the, uh, the version of the Riddler we got here. I thought it was, it was interesting. It was definitely felt more, you know, on the edge. Uh, the rest of the characters were fine. Stella's points about the Selena Kyle character are really, really well done because, like you said, she's not wearing a cat suit and she's not wearing that, I don't even know what that bizarre shirt that she wears, uh, in the New 52 right now. Um, <laughs> she wears a shirt? Uh, it's, about one half of well, the shirt. Well, it's a blouse. A blouse with the blazer over it, but it's never buttoned, so it, basically. It, but it's, I mean, and it's like a, yeah, I don't know. It's like an extreme V-cut. Yeah. She has creepy cat cat paraphernalia in that last shot. Like, when I'm looking at it, they look kind of like Cheshire cats everywhere. Oh, yeah. It, well, it's, it's very much the same closing shot from the first book. 
uh, in the first book it was the Riddler, and in this book it's the oh, Selena yeah. closing shot. You know, uh, this will be blowing up change in the next volume. <laughs> let's hope not. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I I I like the art in the book. I like the way the, almost all the characters are done. And again, since this is not in a, a formal continuity, if things are different, you don't. It doesn't bother me at all. You know, it's like, oh, it's different, fine, it's cool. Um, but I, I, I do hope that, you know, if they keep this going for multiple volumes, I'm almost assured we'll get another one, that we keep the team of Johns and Frank together because they've done they've done a really good job here working together to build to build this world up. Um, so I guess the next big question is, now that we've completed this one and there will be a third volume, and I think Johns has already confirmed that. Yeah, this is, this is, you're like at least halfway through it yeah. already. So, I mean, we'll, we'll probably have it in about a year. What are we looking forward to? Now, we already know that Selena's coming, and we always already know that Harvey Dent, or Two-Face, the new version of Two-Face, is coming. So what have we not seen in the Earth-1 universe that we'd like to see in the next novel? Uh, Robin, quite frankly. Okay. However impossible it may be. I just love that character, and I love seeing him interpreted and reinterpreted. And I'm sure it was Jeff Johns. It'll be like, you know, 200 pages of Alfred saying how no ridiculous it is. Yeah. Yeah, or like you know, like, like just basically like you know, look how ridiculous this is, and like showing him actual pages from the Silver Age where like the two were like looking gay. It's like you know, you can't do this, Bruce. But like, I mean, I, I think that like in my opinion, my personal opinion, if you're going to tell the story of Batman in its complete iteration, you cannot leave out Robin. I mean, even in some respects, Christopher Nolan knew that, so he kind of stuck him in there. And Dark Knight Rises, I feel that like while it's not, uh, granted, the idea of psychics is unrealistic and not believable and stupid. It's part of that's part of the story that you're telling. It's part of the character's story that you were telling, and to omit that, maybe he won't appear next time. But to omit that completely, to me, feels like you know having blinders on. Um, I, I, I gotta say, like, I, I did not see this Selena Kyle twist coming. So when it shows her at the end, I like cheers, like, "Oh, that is so awesome!" So if she comes back, I'll be looking forward to that. I mean, like, like, could the Joker show up next time? I'm not necessarily eager to see the Joker, but like, it'll only be a matter of time. Sure. So. It's a shot, and I think that like that would probably be a bad first story for Robin should Robin should first appear. So like I'm not sure. Uh, I would like to see Robin most of all, to be honest. Like I mean, any of the villains is uh, you know whatevs, but like I I do I hope that like we see some iteration of a uh, Dick Grayson. Although hopefully he won't. It'll probably he'll probably won't be like as young as he's portrayed, but like hopefully he won't be like you know Chris O'Donnell, like you know 25 year old Robin. That's not my favorite t- type either. I don't think Robin's gonna uh, pop up next, to be honest, because I think the the seeds have already been sown for Batgirl to be first. Um, no, again. <laughs> I, I honestly think that's how it's gonna go, and uh, well, frankly, of course, I don't have any problem with that. But I hope they don't do Joker because I think they need to keep um, they need to keep it a little. Uh, <laughs> So, I'm trying to think of a good word. Uh, not safe, but I just don't want multiple villains popping up in the book. I think they need to develop somebody, and I think Two-Face potentially is the way to go. And if you have Selena, of course there's going to be conflict there. So if you want to do Selena and Two-Face, uh, I think that would be an interesting route. Uh, the way to bring – because, you know, Batgirl, like there was some tease at the end of the first one, right? So I was actually super excited about, like, what's going to happen with this one? Are we going to see any sort of development with that? But all you hear is what she's doing, of course, her, her learning and uh, helping out some – and that's it. She doesn't appear. So I'm thinking that should be brought in, and I almost wonder if it's going to be almost a Robin Year One situation for Batgirl that there's some involvement in her origin with Two-Face. So now there's a connection, which would actually be very fitting because now that the Two-Face is female, why not have a, a female counterpart to Batman be brought in in that way? I actually think that, like, I heard Jeff John say that he would like to do a Batgirl Earth-1 solo book. I think that, I, I, I'm not kidding, I think I, he actually did mention that because he, like, he, he, you know, he's eager to do the Batgirl character. Okay. Well, I mean, what a way to introduce <laughs> in this particular one. So, anyways, that's what I foresee. I uh, I'm hoping hoping for some uh, some romance potentially between uh, between Bruce and Selena. I mean, that chemistry was already palpable on the page when he plopped into her apartment. I actually didn't think she was robbing the apartment at the time. I legitimately believed that was hers, but I knew right away that it had to have been Selena, just uh, her look and everything. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that development and see how it all goes down. You can tell she already has a fascination with him, and you know, in the last scene she's holding that batarang. But Two-Face, I think, is the way to go. Why have a space? Why have a gap between this book and skip it and then come back to Two-Face? I think you need to pick up where you left off. 
I thought she was like it's Julia Mattis or somebody when I first read it. Uh, it's uh, you know what I think would be interesting here since we're never going to get a full Batman universe in Earth mm-hmm. One. Maybe he could combine and and have have her become Robin, have Barbara become Robin. I mean, why mm-hmm. not? I mean, we're in a different world, right? It kills yeah. me. Um, I mean, or I could what I could see in this world is the possibility of. A 16 to 17 year old Dick Grayson who never becomes Robin but goes straight to like a Nightwing type character. I still don't like that. <laughs> I know, but but I could see that I could see that happening. I, I don't think we'll get a Robin Robin. Now, don't get me wrong. Like when when a creators are on a roll, and especially when they're working well with an artist like they are here, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt until they do something stupid. You know. So if I hear that the next one's going to have uh, Barbara Gordon as Robin and uh, Tim Drake Robin Banks. Until I read it, I'm gonna I'm, I can live with it. You know, um, these guys have done, in my opinion, so good with these first two that they've bought me some some currency. Um, I would like to see the character. I think I really want to see in these books, and and I, and I agree with with Stella that we need to see, keep keep with Two Feet and keep with Selena. But for some reason, with with Gary Frank's art and with this new Ground the Universe, I think I'd like to see Scarecrow in here. Um, mm. I, I think oh, yeah. I think that could be. With this art style and with this gritty, realistic... I mean, if the Joker looks like Eddie Vedder, imagine what Scarecrow would look like, you know? Um, I, I think that's where I would really like to see this do is, is a Scarecrow book um, and kind of move forward with the rest of the characters. So that's what I would like to see. You look like Marilyn Manson. A, a Marilyn Manson Scarecrow. <laughs> Why not? I'm in, you know? The stuff of the nightmares are made of. It's, true. it's probably more true than it's not. Um so yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to, uh, to 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 see. So, did you guys have any any thoughts on the book that you feel like we didn't address? Anything you wanted to kind of kind of put out there? I feel that like I I, I was never expecting to enjoy these Batman Earth One stories as I have. I, it, so like I mean like I remember I really liked the first volume. It's been, it's been a couple of years, and this one comes out, and I just like like just then when I read it, I was like that was such a great story. This is the this is. The best Batman story I've read in years, quite frankly. I mean, I like Scott Snyder. I enjoyed his run. I think he's a very good writer, but it wasn't always fun for me. It, it was a, some of it was a little bit like you know the long overarching master plan that he had that took steps and steps and steps and kind of went over the board with a lot of things that it wasn't always my bag. Whereas this one, because I'm on board with like the process of you know developing Batman for another type of iteration, it, I find that like. I find the storytelling honestly very unpredictable, and I think that like it's is Gary Frank's the perfect perfect artist for it really, and I'm totally down for volume three. I really enjoyed this. I think that the art's great, the writing's great. Um, you know, little nickels here and there, but like nothing that really turns me off. And I think that like uh, I mean, I I would like to, you know, of all the things that DC Thomas is throwing at the wall, this is the one for me that is totally working, and I want to see more of. So kudos to them, and kudos to Johns and Gary Frank for putting this out. Yeah, I like that, you know, as with all else worlds, you know, you, you keep to certain things. I guess, you know, there's a Bible for Batman and certain aspects of that, you know, stay, but then he, he switches some things up and, and keeps us guessing and, and turns our head at certain things like Two Face and, and I think that's what makes a great story. Um, one, one aspect of the story that we didn't talk about was Harvey, sorry. Yes, Harvey Bullock. Harvey Bullock's mm. characterization. Um, because we, we saw it was basically pointing in this direction at the end because he went to that bar with a wall of bottles. Uh, I remember that image. And it's interesting because he was the guy, you know, he came from L.A. and he had this positive attitude. And, and Jim was the gruff one who who was almost working inside the system. He wasn't really against it. And it's a complete role reversal. And it was almost hard to read just with all the stuff that was that was going on that, you know, Harvey still had this heart within him. But I mean, he was pretty messed up and damaged by what had happened. So to see, it's interesting because, you know, someone mentioned the mentor role, who would who better than Jim Gordon to be a mentor for Batman. And the fact was that we saw him be a mentor for Bullock as well. And I think he's able to not necessarily bring back the optimism of Bullock, but he's able to snap him out of, you know, whatever sort of uh, necrosis or whatever he is in and, and, and get him back into what he should be doing. So it was tough. It was tragic to watch. You know, he had, he came from LA, he, you know, and was 
full of spirits. And he was just dragged down. And so we see him reach the bottom of his pit, almost like Barbara Keene. And, uh, but luckily, Jim Gordon was able to pull this Barbara Keene out of the gutter and help her out. And, uh, so I, you know, I look forward to seeing what, what Bullock does in the, in the next, uh, story. And, and hopefully he only goes up from there. But the, he's a completely different character than we know and love in the, uh, in other Batman things. So, so that's one that we didn't get to talk about. But I, I hope that, uh, Jones continues to explore that character. Yeah. The, the, the Bullock characterization is, you're right, totally different. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and it's okay, you know. I mean, it's still it's still interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think it feels, although it's totally different, it still feels like Bullock. He still drinks too much. He's still not the best yeah. cop, but he he's still trying to do the right thing. Um, I like it. Yeah, no, it's the Bullock. The Bullock character is is really well done here. Um, and and like like Donovan said, I I, I think these are, are remarkably well done books. I mean, it's one of those things that when I find out the release date for the third volume, that's something I'll I'll actually look forward to. You know. Um, and getting my hands on it and being able to read it. So I hope that they, they keep going the way they're going. So, guys, let's uh, let's give it a rating. Five out of five batterings. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five as well, which is going to give it a total of 4.75 out of five batterings. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed the, the uh, this, this book as much as we did. So with that, this is Ed. This is Don. And this is Stella. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week.